How's everybody doing today? How many of you were here yesterday for the 12 hours of prayer? Anybody, anybody a part of that? Well, we, uh, we had 12 hours yesterday of worship from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Different people coming and going throughout the day, different worship leaders, different prayer leaders, and I want to thank those that participated and uh, praise God. Well, listen, we're going to go into worship here, and I have this, this imagery of, of what we are as the church. You know, in Genesis 27, Jacob is at a place, and he lays down to sleep, and he has a dream. Jacob has a dream, and in the dream, he sees angels ascending and descending. And then the Lord speaks to him the promise that was given to his father and his grandfather. He gives him a a prophetic word about his destiny. And then in the morning, Jacob wakes up and says, this is, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God and the gate of heaven. We call this building church. We call what we're doing here, we're going to church. You know what church is? Church is, is the house of God. It is the place where the eternal interacts or connects with the natural. It is the place where angels ascend and descend. It is the place where there's an opening between this realm and that realm, and God's voice begins to speak about our destiny. And so church isn't just a place where these things that we can list, we do in church, where this happens, while we, we sing songs there. No, we sing songs because there are angels ascending and descending and God wants to manifest his presence here. We lift our hands, we humble ourselves, we hunger and thirst for him because it's the place for mankind, the natural encounters, the supernatural. Church is not all of these ritualistic, ceremonial, liturgical things that go on. Church is simply this. It is the gateway to heaven. And when we are worshiping and when we are interacting with the eternal, we are actually creating a path between heaven and earth. We are making a way for those who don't know what church is really about. And so as we begin to get into the worship, I want us to begin to have that interface. Don't look for something to be done for you. Don't think about, well, that's a good song, that's a bad song, and who's singing this, and who's doing it right, and who's doing it wrong. Release your heart to long for to hear the voice of God, to long to see what's happening. If there's angels ascending and descending at the gate of heaven, where are they going? What is it happening for? You know, what, 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 why would God send angels here? What is the purpose of this? When we are saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're saying, Lord, we want this to be the place where angels touch down, where this begins to be like heaven, heaven on earth. We're not going to heaven when we die. We're experiencing heaven now. That is the reward of believers. So let's just begin to enter in. Father, we want to say that we want to be your church. We want to be 
Lord, that portal between heaven and earth that the world sees. We want to, we want to be that, that means through which the world can experience eternity. God, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, we want to give you the means to manifest your presence and your power. God, we pray right now for everyone here in this place who hasn't had a qualitative experience with your spirit, that, God, the floodgates would be open. The floodgates would be open. There would be a watershed moment here today for those who don't, who aren't sure whether you're real, who aren't sure whether you really love them, who aren't sure whether you have a plan for their life, who aren't sure whether you're interested in the little things. God, we say in Jesus' name, we long for you. We long for you, Lord. You are, you are, you are the one we seek. Okay, so for the past seven years, I haven't had joy. My husband has never known me to have joy. Even when I had my kids, I was happy, but I wasn't joyful. And then yesterday during the 12 hours of prayer, we started to pray into joy. And I woke up this morning actually feeling joy again in me. And I feel God's opening the gates right now that if you are missing the fruit of the Spirit, He will give it back to you. Just come and respond, and He will be faithful and give it back. So God, I just ask right now, Father, that you would come down, Father. Show your goodness to us again. Release, God, the joy, the laughter, peace and patience and self-control. Love, God. Pour it all down, God. Pour it all down, God. Fill us again. Continue to continue to press in. We are not spectators. We are the ones that are triggering the release of the Spirit. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. Out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Her testimony said that when she woke up this morning, joy was inside of her. Joy is inside her. We're not looking for an experience to come from without. We're trying to open up that river that is within that's connected to everything that God has for you. So as you release your sound, he said, out of, your, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And it will, it will it, it manifests in something coming out of your mouth, whether it's worship or praying in the spirit or shouting. So Lord, release, release, release the river. In the midst of what we're doing, we don't want to lose focus on God himself. When we were in Ireland last week, I had a very vivid picture of God and the millions around the throne worshiping and ministering to him. He 
was the complete and utter center. There was nothing that distracted. There was just the slightest movement was so colossal, was so magnificent. Just, just the ripple of his garment as he shuffled his arm sent out orbs of glory and light that caused all of heaven to ooh and ah. And, and we, are, we are longing today, Father, to interact with you to interact with you because you open your hand and you satisfy the need of every living thing. Mankind cannot begin to fathom the supply of beauty, the supply of life that is in you, that everything that we need is in you. Everything is in you. You give life. Imagine living your whole life panning for gold, looking for that one chunk, a nugget big enough to take care of life's needs, but all you ever get is the occasional ounce of dust, painstakingly gained, Achieved and cultivated only through massive amounts of effort, sacrifice, toil. Then to find that 10 feet away is the mother load of thousands and thousands of pounds of gold. I feel like we spend most of our existence as Christians panning for those residual little bits and miss the mother load. But a generation is coming that's going to tap into the mother load. And it's not going to happen because of our failure, but it's going to happen because of what we've done in advance. But even so, I want to be a part of that generation that touches the mother load. When I read the scripture and it says, in Hebrews, it says, it talks about those who have tasted of the powers of the age to come. And that characterizes what we need to be. Can I define my life as, the, as evidencing tasting of the powers of the age to come? When people look at me, when people look at our lives, when people look at the church, are they seeing the evidence of the power of the age to come? Maybe more than it used to be. But God has set a standard and he said, pray this way. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, listen, this is my measure. This is my standard that you would operate on earth, that you would manifest on earth just as it is in heaven. So, Father, we say, do in us what needs to be done. Bring that sword that cuts between soul and spirit. Divide these waters ah, and bring forth the full manifestation of the image of your son in us 
Oh, God, we are finished making excuses for our flesh. We are finished saying we are, we are, but we are just men. We are just women. We are just human. And we say, Lord, let the new creation come forth. Oh, hover over these waters. Oh, as you hovered over the waters of creation. When you said, let there be light. When you formed mankind and every creature by the word of your power, hover over these waters and bring forth your new creation. Bring forth your new creation. God, we trust in the power of your word at work. Mm. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many of you noticed that the atmosphere this morning was conducive to worship? Show of hands. Anybody notice that? Yeah. What a strange coincidence. It just so happened that we had 12 hours of prayer yesterday, and then the atmosphere feels so great today. Wow, you know, that's kind of like noticing moisture in the air right after a storm and thinking there's no correlation. <laughs> right? Uh, why, why is this important to, for us to note? Because we are not victims. As a church, as a collective people, we are not victims. We are not dependent upon uh, scenarios or criteria over which we do not have control. We have a capacity to enter into a place that's deeper than we've ever gone before. But if you don't believe it's possible, you'll never make the effort to go. And so part of what God is doing in us individually, there is, there is something to be had, something that God wants to do in our midst. Now, yesterday we had 12 hours of prayer. And there was this richness. People came in the prayer room at 9 o'clock and said, wow, there's, you know, it's just, it's just so something in the spirit. The reason why we do conferences is the same reason why God called Israel to do feasts. Is there's something about pulling away from the mundane, the regular affairs of life and focusing on God that causes you to focus on God. There's something about giving time to something that causes the time you give to it to produce that something that you're looking to see. Makes sense, right? And so, and so uh, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time speaking about this, but one of the things that I want to see happen in us as believers is that the dots will be connected in you, in every single one of you as a believer, that, that these moments of spiritual breakthrough are not out of your reach. You know, there are certain critical plateaus that may take four, five, six, seven breakthroughs in your life, but you, you need to realize each of those breakthroughs are predicated upon something that you are called to do, an obedience that you step into that causes the breakthrough, and subsequent breakthroughs lead to watershed moments. So if those breakthroughs happen far and wide in between, one every five years, you're going to have one maybe transformative moment your whole life 
other than being born again? What if you could have transformative moments every few months? What, what, I mean, what if these things could be compacted? What if they could, be, could happen within a, a frequency that, that's, that's more exciting? See, what happens is we get some kind of We get enough breakthrough, enough, tra- enough transformation in our lives to make life livable, and then we live life. And God is saying, listen, that is not why I gave you the breakthrough. I gave you the one breakthrough so that you know there's a second breakthrough. And I give you the second breakthrough to know that there's a third and a fourth and a fifth, and you don't know the heights that can be achieved. You don't know where this can stop. What else can you do, God? There's a transformational power in the presence of God that is so high above anything we can imagine. And God is trying to connect the dots and say, listen, if you do such and such, it results in such and such. You know, we have something years ago called the Protestant Reformation. You ever heard of it? One of the things that came out of the Protestant Reformation is the Protestant work ethic. You ever heard of the Protestant work ethic? Something that's disappearing right now. But, but the Protestant work ethic was a capacity to work, uh, an ingenuity, uh, a faithfulness, a diligence that sort of surfaced in Protestant people that caused economies to flourish like never before. But I want to tell you something. That end run, that end goal of prosperity and blessing began with God bringing an awakening to people because what the awakening, what God does when he breathes upon you, when you experience his presence, is you start to connect the dots that I can do this. I, you know, I am not, I'm not stuck. I, I don't wake up in the morning, you know, burnt out and overcome by depression and feeling powerless that nothing I do ever achieves anything. What awakens within people as they're touched by God is a belief that they can create destiny. A belief, a belief that if I do such and such, it will result in such and such. Now, some of you may have been raised in families where that attitude is just there. It's just there in your family. Well, that is residual from spiritual breakthrough. And some, some generations mentor and teach and tailor and build their children up in an attitude that it becomes entrepreneurial. And they just, they just have this belief that this is how the world works. But I tell you what, where that initially always comes is when you see something about God and God awakens your capacity, God awakens your destiny, and you realize you're not a victim. You're not a victim. It doesn't mean things aren't hard. It doesn't mean there aren't sacrifices to be made. It doesn't mean that you aren't persecuted or hurt at different times. But the reality that I am not subject to all the forces around me, but that there's something in me given by God that changes the world around me. That is reformation. And that always comes out of God breathing upon a people. And so that's what God is looking to do. God is trying to create that, those connections, those dots. And he's trying to do it for us spiritually. Spiritually. So, you know, uh, I, of course, I, as you know, we deal with all kinds of different believers all the time. And, and it takes a while for these things to settle in. It takes a while before people begin to think that, okay, no, maybe this is not accidental. Maybe, maybe you know what, if I, 
if I actually actually give myself to this, something better happens. Now, given that, some of you are in the middle of maybe some of the greatest trials of your life, and it's not coming as easily as it did last time around. Well, welcome to the journey. Because, you know, the faith that God established that first time around is in, is in order to give the confidence in you to begin to deal with the bigger stones in your life. That's why he did that initial thing and that next thing and that next thing so that you could have courage to face the bigger things. But it's taking so long. Well, it's a big stone. It's a big transformation. It's a big shift that's coming. It's great. This is wonderful. This is the best thing that ever. If you think what's happened so far in your life is good, just wait. The next thing is much better. Much better. Much better. And I'm, I want to speak prophetically, and I, look, I see faces, and I see, I see things in your genealogy. I see things around, around rebellion and depression and mental illness and poverty. And I'm saying to you that there is a force that God wants to bring up out of your life as a wellspring that will break the cycle of these things in your life and for your children, for your children's children. But that's the kind of power that's there. And God wants to do that in your generations. I don't want to get into this too much, but I remember reading about James Dobson's uh, genealogy, and they started to list how many pastors and leaders were in his genealogy, and then it went on to doctors and politicians and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it was, an, it was immense. It was like, what a, what a heritage I tell you what, it began with somebody who was touched by the creative power of God. It began to realize that destiny was in their hand, that they could shape their future. That that was God's intention in making them co-creators with him. Listen, I want you to sit with me in heavenly places. I want to share my inheritance with you. We are, uh, the, the impulse to spend this day yesterday in prayer was in laying a foundation Laying the groundwork. And it's not, it's not new. It's biblical. You know, in Genesis, when Israel was coming to meet God for the first time at Mount Sinai, God said, here, take these three days to prepare. Prepare. So don't do this and this and this. And, you know, he gave them some old covenant-style preparation things. And God is saying to us, listen, this could be a watershed moment. Just this morning, Jackie came to me and said, uh, said uh, what, was, what was the exact wording of that, Jackie? Just shout it out where you are. God is increasing our measure. And uh, now, again, we like, we like that providential thing, right? God is increasing our measure because it divorces us from any sense of connection to it. But I'm telling you, God increases your measure because of your faithfulness. God increases your measure when you do the part that he's already told you to do. Just, just this morning in the prayer time, I was thinking about Ezekiel's river, you know, from Ezekiel chapter 47, where it starts out very shallow and gets very deep. And suddenly the Lord said to me, you choose how deep the water is where you live. And I realize so often we think, well, however deep the water is is how deep it is. But this morning the Lord said to me, you choose. It's your decisions. It's your, what you do in your life that, that makes the river as deep as it is where you live. 
And I, for one, don't want to be in that place anymore where you're just resisting the current because it's deep enough so that you can't stand against the current because there's a place where it's deeper than that where you finally are swept away by it and you just float downstream, carried away by the river. Father, I pray that 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 core capacity to believe that is in us would increase. God, we just speak to that, uh, that place where the river uh, of God materializes in our being, and I pray that more and more of us would realize that this is a real thing, and that, Lord, we can widen, widen the aperture of our spirits through both uh, dying to ourselves and living obediently and exercising spiritual uh, disciplines, that, Father, that there is a capacity you want to give us to, to be able to overcome obstacles in our life, not all of which are spiritual. And I'm aware of the fact that many of you here are called to the realms of business and are called to the realms of, the, of political, but I'm telling you that the only the impedance, the key impedance that keeps Christian business from prospering and the key impedance that keeps righteous leaders from affecting politically their world is not natural, it's spiritual. And what you need is this. What you need is life coming through your being so that whether you're making a presentation on, hey, buy some of this grain, or whether you're saying, no, this is right in the courts or in some political sphere, you have power to trump that, that witchcraft that's in our society, that thing that brings injustice. This is what this is all about at the end of the day. And God is trying to get us to operate in a degree of life and wisdom. Yeah, there are, there are things we learn, but it is a spirit. It is a manifestation of God himself that comes through your life and causes things to align to you. You remember that uh, Israel had all that problem with Ahab and Jezebel? You remember that? And, and it seemed to go a long time, and then God raised up and anointed a man named Jehu. I love the picture of when Jehu is driving is up towards the city where, and, you know, they send out, you know, messengers and say, is it, is it bad? Are you for us? Like, are you com- what are you coming to do? And uh, one of the messengers comes up, and Jehu says, kind of like, he sort of says, uh, what did you come for? What is that to you? Get behind me. And the guy quickly, all right then. <laughs> you know, well, what, 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 is, what is that? What is that? I'm sent by the queen. Who's Jehu? He's just this guy riding a horse, but he had such conviction. You know, I just felt like I needed to do what he said. And, uh, you know, I have the the, uh, soldiers were sent to arrest uh, Jesus. Do you know what happens in the the New Testament there in those days in the Roman occupation and all that? when, When soldiers go to do something, they come back not having done it. They're put to death. If you're a jailkeeper and somebody escapes on your watch, you exchange your life for his. I mean, it's very serious stuff. So these soldiers are sent out to get Jesus, and they come to arrest Jesus. We're here to arrest you. And Jesus starts talking, and they're like, yeah, we're going now. And they go back, and they say, well, where is he? They say, well, no one ever spoke like this. Like what? Nobody ever spoke like that. What is that? He was releasing the trump card for everything. The kingdom of God, there's a trump card for everything. And God 
is raising up sons and daughters to rule and reign. Ruling and reigning with Christ is not, yeah, one day it'll be nice. Well, no, ruling and reigning is what you are beginning to do now. What you actually do not achieve during this life, you will not walk in in eternity. Remember the whole thing, you know, give this one ten cities, this one five, this one one. Was it that, was, did God roll dice? This guy, how many cities should we give him? I don't know. Roll the dice. Okay, two. No, it was based on them. This whole idea, well, you know, fate. We're just rolling the dice. Some people get all the luck. I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God is in power. This last week, actually it's been a couple of months, I keep hearing these words from the Lord, it's more blessed to give than receive. I think, oh, here we go, offering time. (laughs) It's not offering time. It's more blessed to give than receive. There are certain things that Jesus said uh, the Beatitudes are among them, but there are certain sort of core truths around which the kingdom works. And in terms of what God is trying to do inside of you, is he's trying to, and these are the words I heard yesterday in the prayer, is, is God said to me, I'm trying to change your polarity. And so I didn't know exactly. I know what kind of polarity, I think I know, but I, I thought, well, I, I need to Google this and see what polarity works or what it exactly means, and it has a couple different applications. But let me read to you this. It says, The definition includes the relative direction of magnetic or current or electric current. And as I was meditating on it, though, I felt like repentance reverses the, uh, uh, the inner magnetic direction from inward to outward, that what God is trying to do in us is he trying to direct, change the direction of life so that we're, we stop trying to take in life and instead we begin to release life. That, and it's not, it's not limited. It, it includes finances, but it's not at all by any means limited to finances. I want you to think for a second about all the ceilings you have found in your life, all the things that, uh, I don't know if I could do one more thing like that. I don't know. Have you ever felt like quitting? Anybody ever felt like quitting? I just have no more capacity. If one more person says to me that I'm fat, oh, that's it. I'm, I, if, if one more person leaves this church, I'm quitting the ministry. If, if one more person says work harder, I'm quitting this job, I'm out of here. Limits, limits. We have a limited capacity. Why? Because in the natural, we're always eating and drinking and, uh, and, and pulling from a, a uh, limited jar, so to speak. We're always pulling from a resource that has uh, a set boundary. You know, when, when the money runs out, when the cookie jar is emptied, there is no more. Okay, and God is saying, trying to say this. Listen, the kingdom of God at work in your midst means there is no bottom. That, every, that you have access to bottomless reserve of whatever thing I'm dealing with in your life. And now God may be dealing with different things in some lives. And it may be that not every one of us is going to be a multi-billionaire, you know, and, and tap into that eternal reserve of finances because God needs people who to represent different parts. But that is included. There are endless amounts of reserve. 
I mean, just the other day, in, in terms of this context, and Ken keeps saying this to me, and I was wondering why he keeps saying this to me. He said to me something, I can't remember, but he said, you are relentless in terms of this. And I, I thought, well, I'm not trying to be relentless. I'm not, I'm not trying to keep bringing that thing. It's just that every time I enter the realm of the Spirit, every time I begin to worship God, this thing opens up. This thing opens up, and I just, I just have to have more of God. And so when I, and for me, that means giving him glory, giving him worship, honoring him. And, and, uh, and what, I, what, I've, what I have realized for me is that worship and prayer and intercession is the way that I tap into that unlimited reserve. And part of my frustration is when I, when I talk to people and we, well, I don't have a I have this much capacity in this area. Now, I know we're natural. We still have to go to bed at night. We're still going to have to eat food. We still have natural, you know, there are natural limits. But the question is this. Are we tapping into the spiritual limitless that has already been presented or made available to us? Is our capacity for people in our lives dictated by our personalities and, uh, and the limits of what we can endure in terms of dysfunctional people touching my life? Or do we have, have we tapped into that? Have we crossed over to be able to actually love people without limit? Can you love people without limit? Can people be, well, you know, I just can only have so many people close in my life and more than that and I start to malfunction. Limits. All of these limits God wants to take off. What are the things that cause you to begin to... Now, it might be different than what God is dealing with in me, but what God is trying to do is change your mindset around this. You don't know. If you're running up against limits, you don't know that there's no limits. You don't know there's no spoon. Who got that? Okay. It's a movie reference. Derek will never get this. So when we are born into this world, we are born with needs and something in us cries out for those needs to be met. You don't have to tell a baby, when you get frustrated, whine. <laughs> when you're hungry, <laughs> they just do it naturally. They're, the whole sound of a child's life is, feed me, give me, indulge me, take care of me. You know, and, 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 and that's, 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 what, that's the, what we were born into. It's... It's all inward-oriented. It's all take care of me. Da, 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 da. And what we're trying to do in parenthood, when we're thinking of making adult kids, adult children, we're just saying, listen, you have to now switch from being the one that's receive, receiving to the one that's doing the giving. And the reason we do that is not, hey, you know, life is sacrifice. No. Yes, it is sacrifice, but it's sacrifice so that you can discover that there's no bottom. It's not sacrifice. Now it's your turn to suffer. It's no. You can discover that there is, there is something. It's, even in the natural, it's there. You know, I, I, we just went to Disneyland a few weeks ago, uh, Mark and Anita and myself and Wendy. And it was not nearly as fun as when there are kids. When there are kids, 
and you're bringing the kids and you're there on the ride and they're having, you have fun because they're having fun. That is a picture of tapping into that unlimited well. Now you actually are giving and you're enjoying as much as them, if not more than them, than when you did that. Because you have shifted in this natural way, but you have shifted. As a parent, what you're learning, you're dying to one source of pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction, and you're finding a deeper well, which is this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And what God is saying to you, all the torment in your life, all the frustration, all the place, places in your life where there's friction, where you're hitting that wall, and it seems like, man, people got it in for me. It's not people. It's not the circumstances. It's God saying, listen, there's a whole world on the other side of your limits that I want you to discover. A whole world. The other day I was watching a video from after this explosion in, uh, in Egypt. And amazing things happening in Egypt right now, by the way. But there's this explosion, and at a, a Coptic church, 20-some people killed. And this commentator is doing this interview with these, this family. And, and I, I, I think it was that, that scenario. But anyway, they're, they're forgiving. They're blessing. They're saying, you know, uh, talking about the love of Jesus. And, and, and the guy's the commentator. He's there on live TV, and he's saying... He said, I don't understand this. He says, these Christians are made of steel. He said, I, I, I could never do this. I could never turn this around. I could never bless like that. I could never do that. What is this? This is that. It is more blessed to give than receive. This is what God is trying to do in our lives. So we can spend our life living, living out of our little Thimblefuls of whatever. Strength, hope, courage, tenacity, optimism, tolerance, right? Whatever those things are, the thimblefuls that we have. And this is what we do. We, we, well, I'm getting at the end, so I will retreat into the safety of leave me alone world. And I'll recover. I'll get another thimbleful and I'll come out and say, hey world, how you doing? I'm Christian. Oh, my thimble full is getting empty. Better retreat into, you know, oh, this is so hard living this way. Yeah, it is. Because it's not how you're called to live. There's a river. There's a river. There's a river. And the ones that discover it become a refuge for others. They become a source. They become a hub of the kingdom of God. In the political world, in the financial world, in, the, in, the, in our culture of today, in the church, in prayer, in ministry, in love, in forgiveness, and, and, and on and on it goes. God is saying, cross over. Cross over. Why repentance? Why, why repent? Because you, you need to aggressively turn on that, that, that finite resource that you've been living out of, that line that you're protecting. You can't go past that line. There's nothing there. No, no, no. Go past that line. Repents and saying, Lord, I'm tired of living below what you said I should live. I'm, I'm, I'm against this. I'm repenting. Repenting is a turning around. It's shifting your polarity, your spiritual polarity. It's so that you're able to give and be blessed in giving 
instead of blessed in receiving. The kingdom of God, church as we know it, society in general, is made up and sustained by people who have tapped into a resource, both naturally and spiritually. It needs to be us. It needs to be us. So, hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for the kingdom of, it, of God at work in our midst. And I want to say, Lord, take the bottom out. Take the bottom out. Break the loneliness off of our life. Break the power of rejection off of our life. Break the inability to think past our noses. Break the tyranny of always thinking about why me, why me, why me, why me. Break it, break it, break it, break it, break it, Lord. Break it, break it in our lives. And manifest your kingdom. 